It is Thursday, the 14th day of March, 2019. In this episode of Connecting Dots, we're going to do a little bit of a ramble about China, migration, surveillance. We're going to talk a little bit about Facebook. We're going to talk about tablets. We're going to move into a discussion about driving the wrong way on a roadway, crashing into ambulances, and making everything a felony. We're also going to get into a little bit of technology on vehicles, trains, planes. We're going to kind of connect a lot of things together. So this will be a rambling episode, but I think you're going to enjoy it. Connecting Dots is a production of Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing. All rights reserved. Rebroadcast or distribution prohibited without express written authorization. Connecting Dots is for educational use only. Investment performance is not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This broadcast does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation or needs. Nothing should be construed as an individual recommendation. Always read and all applicable information carefully before making an investment decision. Investments are not bank guaranteed, not FDIC insured, and may lose value. Due to our extensive holdings and that of our clients, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and thus a conflict of interest should be assumed. It is sort of sad and you think about it that you have to put these kind of disclaimers on everything in the world. If you've ever looked at a ladder, gone to Lowe's, Home Depot, True Value, or wherever you would buy your ladder at, the number of disclaimers, I swear, I think it says in one of the disclaimer that if you sit on the very top rung of the ladder with one leg and drinking coffee while blind, it may be not in your best interest. We've gone nuts in the world with disclaimers, so it is what it is. If this is your first time here, Nothing I can do about it. Approximately 25 million people are annually migrating from rural China into urban areas. Now, I just want to think about that. 25 million people. Now, the urban population of China is about 600 million, and that is quite literally amazing. But one of the things that China can do is control their people because of the widespread use of smartphones. You see, smartphone surveillance is reality. It's here in the United States. It's here in Europe. It's a reality. It's not really a reality in places like South America and in Africa and some of the less developed nations of the world. But China has seen a phenomenal increase from 43 to 53% smartphone penetration between 2015 and 19. Now, during the same period, the United States, it's increased from 59.4 to just over 70 at 71.4%. Now, as a result of that, one of the things we're seeing is an increasing urban population and aging population. And China is really facing some real tough issues. The United States and Japan are dealing with senior housing and senior housing is something that China is not really fully able to handle. There's a lot of serious issues there. It takes time for things to get squared around, but the bottom line is it is going to be a really difficult issue for China 
in the years ahead. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. Now, with that said, of course, you have surveillance by China that is unprecedented. And we have the same thing going on here with a mass migration coming up from South America into the United States. Something, I mean, the numbers are just huge. The number of people have been caught at the border. And the rule of thumb is for every one that's caught, you figure there's at least three that got through. And I believe, I'm not quite sure because I didn't uh, jot it down for today's episode, but they've caught about a million already, which means there's at least three more million people in the United States. And there's a lot of things to think about that. That's going to impact congressional districts where they count residents as opposed to voters, legal or illegal, doesn't make any difference. Again, the penetration of new residents who will be occupying urban areas as opposed to rural areas where you have, again, lots of issues involving language and, and customs and, in our country, a lack of unification of phone service for tracking people. It's definitely going to be an issue as we go forward. Facebook penetration in the fourth quarter of 2018 had 2.32 billion active users. Now, an active user is someone who gets on within the last 30 days. Now, in the third quarter of 2012, Facebook actually went over the billion mark. They're now at $2.32 billion. Now, the company stated that they've got about 2.7 billion users when it comes to the company's core products, which are Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, Messenger, every single month. Now, the question is, are you using Facebook? Are you using WhatsApp, Instagram, or Messenger more or less than you were a year ago. We'd like to hear from you. If you can get a hold of us, we would appreciate. If you are listening to the podcast, use a little blue button in the lower right-hand corner for our intercom. You can call the 888 number, and you could also simply sign up and become a client of ours. But we'd really like to hear what your views are on Facebook and those kinds of programs. Along the same line, one of the interesting items that we're following here at Fixed Cost Financial is the use of digital tablets. Now, the iPad is not selling as much as it was in the past. Same thing with the iPhone. There's a maturation, a maturing of the market. So you, be, you don't have an exponential curve. It doesn't just keep on going. You have a bell-shaped curve. Unfortunately, because of the book, things like saying the bell-shaped curve is a no-no, but in business, that's exactly what happens. You might remember we used to have cassette tapes. We had VCR tapes. We had CDs. All of those had a bell-shaped curve to it. Same thing with the iPod. And the iPhone is, again, getting a little bit like that, although I don't think you're going to see the decrease in it, but you're going to see a leveling out of the new acquisition of phones. Now, the thing about tablets we think is real interesting. The problem with tablets is that you have tablets that are heavily used by people who are, we would call, a little bit more knowledgeable than the average rank-and-file citizen out there, okay? It, look, people are using their phones more and more and more, and it's unfortunate because you just can't get away from a desktop, a laptop, as your primary um, heavy user device. I, I, bottom line is we're in business here, and I don't know how anyone can basically say they're connected to the internet only by their cell phone, but you're seeing more and more people do that. 
course, with the size being larger. But in my case, I make no bones about it. I have four, not one, not one. I have four iPads. I have, uh, well, I actually have five. One is actually broken that I got back. I have two small minis. One is working fine and the other one's not. But that small one I use strictly for reading books. It's easy. It's a simple carry around. I have three large uh, iPads. I use them on my desktop and they're, they have very specific uses. I have several iMacs. I have uh, my great big LG screen. I mean, this is a dynamic, full-functioning office, and everybody here has the same thing. But you say, well, I'm not in business anymore. I'm retired. I really don't know how a person can do any kind of substantial reading and research without some type of a real computer. But a laptop, while it's not, you know, it's got some disadvantages to it, or rather a tablet, I just think that when you see people who are relying solely on their phones, they're missing an awful lot in life. Now, tablets, pretty cool little thing. A lot of people are not heavy users like I would be or others, but those ha tablets are pretty darn cool. Pro problem is the penetration for tablets has decreased year over year by 5% from 62% to 57% overall penetration. What does that mean for me? Well, we were talking about it, and we think that it really simply means that you have a dumbing down of the population, people who lack the ability to innovate and to connect the dots. Now, a lot of analysts are the same way. They don't, they're very immature. A lot of analysts in their 20s and 30s are immature in their predictions. They predict dire results. They're used to, and they were raised on this notion that everything is doom and gloom, and it's just another story to make a big deal about. I don't see it that way. I see a lot of things happening that are going to basically make the world more and more interdependent. But these analysts, you're going to see a lot of them getting out of the business because they're going to continue to do stupid things and say stupid things. And a lot of us are just not going to want to listen to them. Okay, with that said, we had an event that happened down in the villages. It's on YouTube it hasn't become as popular in views as what I thought it would become. But what you have is a young fella who is, I believe, in his 30s or younger, driving in the villages late at night. And he's filming, I think late at night, maybe 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, whatever. He's filming a driver, uh, obviously a village resident, uh, driving the wrong way on a divided roadway, one of the main thoroughfares in the villages. Now, you hear on a, vi on a video the guy is screaming, you know, use your golf cart, get off the road and that kind of stuff. But here's the problem. In the villages, they have self-driving vehicles. It's one of the test areas for self-driving vehicles. And as a result of the recent air crash, and you had the disintegration of two Boeing 737s, they're Max 8s, and it looks like it's going to be a software issue. And I'm not going to get into the details we've talked about here at our office at length. But with self-driving vehicles, what is the issue? You have software, you have hardware, you have things that are going on. So now, imagine this, you have a flaw in software, whether it was intentional, whether it was unintentional, it could have been uh, terrorism. It could have been domestic terrorism, international terrorism. You know, I, I am not one to, to blame Boeing right off the bat. Having been to the Boeing plants, having done a lot of research on Boeing, I'm not going to throw Boeing under the bus. Not going to do it. What I am going to tell you 
is that I'm always concerned that, you know, people talk about, well, the Russians can influence the election and, and hack everything. Do you think that's possible in business? I mean, Airbus, the European consortium, has had a real Donnybrook with Boeing. And, of course, in China, China is now manufacturing airplanes. In another podcast, we talked about the Chinese uh, C919 and how that is a primary competitor to the 737. So my question is, how easy is it to get programming that's bad into a vehicle? You have planes and trains. What about self-driving vehicles? And how would a vehicle, self-driving vehicle, deal with evasive driving when somebody's coming at them at the wrong, in the wrong direction? Now, just think about this. You're sitting in your car. you got a driver who's drunk, and they're barreling down at you. What does your car do? Does it take evasive action and go off the road? Does it just stop? You're going to get hit. Does it, what does it do? Think of the programming that would be required for that. I think people who say that we're ready for self-driving vehicles are full of it. I think there's a lot of issues that people have not thought through. And frankly, it really, really concerns me. It does. And I think it should concern you too. One minute intermission. You're listening to Connecting Dots. Connecting Dots is a production of Fixed Cost Financial, the home of Fixed Cost Investing. The way we do it, it's better, it's simple, and it works. And now, let's return to this episode of Connecting Dots. Okay, I got a little bit more coffee in me, and I can keep on going. I hope you can as well. We had a uh, incident that occurred also in the villages, so today we're going to be talking a lot about the villages because we're going to tie technology and senior citizens and the court system, a lot of things, all together. We had an event that uh, we read about in the villages, and we talked about where you have roundabouts. Now, if you've been down to the villages or you know anything about roundabouts, you know that most people, when they come to a roundabout, because they're not exactly a common thing, you go, what do I do here? And when we have a couple here near our headquarters for fixed cost financial, I always say, I have a primarily, my, my driver always, well, I drive, but my son drives predominantly when we're out and about. And I say, you know, just, just lay back. And you see these people do the, the damnedest, dumbest things. You know, they start off in the outside lane and they move in the inside or vice versa. They're in the inside lane. Oh, I got to make my turn. And they just cut over. They don't bother looking. A lot, a lot of people. So you got to get a big breath, big distance between these people. Well, now in the villages, there's an ambulance going to a call and a driver runs into the ambulance in a roundabout. The offending driver are villagers they're retired you have two people that are injured now you got an ambulance that's disabled somebody else needs an ambulance a third ambulance now is is coming to the scene and what happens yep you got it while they're attending to everything another car runs into the second ambulance on site so the florida highway patrol is have to you know they go traffic accident reports traffic citations people are going to be sued it's going to be a real mess everything 
According to AARP in an article, it says, quote, roundabouts are circular causeways that allow traffic to flow in a four-way direction without stoplights or signs. That always sounds good, right? This new way of managing traffic is meant to save lives. It's not new, by the way. Whoever wrote the article at AARP is dumber than a sack of rocks. But they have some older drivers spinning heads. Well, no kidding. If you live in an area where you've never seen these things and you come here, it takes time to adjust. And the first time you come to one, it's going to be a big deal. The article continues, slightly more than half of those who were contacted responded that roundabouts posed the greatest challenge to elderly drivers, while only 13% responded that traditional four-way stops were the toughest scenario faced by these drivers. So here we go. Down in the villages, you got a neat retirement community, no doubt about it, but they got these roundabouts. I wonder how many traffic accidents they've had down there. And you can read a little bit online. If you go to a, a newspaper called villagenews.com, you can see some of the things that are going on down there. And it will quite literally, you know, make you kind of what's going on. Here's the thing. Self-driving vehicles. With roundabouts, for example, if you've been to France, if you've been to Paris, some of the massive roundabouts that they have there, how are self-driving vehicles going to handle that? I mean, that is a absolute massive traffic knot down there. It, it just is. If, if you've never been to one of these huge roundabouts, especially in Paris, you got to see it. Go online to YouTube. You can see what, what I'm talking about. Now, here's the question. How does a self-driving vehicle program, how do you program something like that? So if it's a tough scenario for drivers, how tough is it going to be for the computer? In 2001 Space Odyssey, Hal's just going to do everything for you. I don't buy that. I just don't buy it. Yes, long-distance trucking is going to be affected by self-driving vehicles. Long-distance truckers are going to be decimated many times. Decimated means 10%. So look for a decimation many times, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw long-haul truckers drop by as much as 50%. And again, where are those men and women going to go for work? The bottom line is you got to be really careful, especially remember we talked about immigration. All these people are pouring into the nation, make them uh, re legal residents, give them driver's license. They'll work for it on the cheap. You wonder why the country has some issues. These are issues we have to discuss. Now, here at Fixed Cost Financial, one of the things we don't do is we don't carry on and, and bellyache about things. What we're doing is asking legitimate questions in terms of what is this really going to do for the nation? How are we going to deal with these kinds of issues? But more importantly, how are we going to profit, invest intelligently with these kinds of issues? Now, also in the villages, we have an article that talks about someone who is going to jail for pickle. That's right, pickle. We're going to call this the pickle discussion. We had quite a discussion here about the laws, rules, and regulations about those who are over 65 who are involved in some kind of a physical altercation. So you have a villager. She's now on free on bond after she had a brawl with her husband over pickleball. Can't make, it, can't make this up. It's a game they play down there. It's a, like a form of tennis. The husband is over 65. She's 61. And about 3.30 in the morning, she was arrested. So they had an argument over pickleball. 
and the husband was laying on the bed and, and it goes into great detail how they had fights and they were in the garage and she's five foot tall, weighs 110 pounds. She punched him in the face. She's from Vietnam. Um, they went to the bathroom. They had a fight there again. She just beat the crap out of this guy, it sounds like. And then it goes on to say that they they live in, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek here. They went on to say that uh, she has participated with her husband in a prominent dance competition in Florida's friendliest hometown. So the newspaper the is taking a you know, shot at this. Um, he punched her back to try to defend himself. They bought their home in 2014 for $367,300. See, there's, there's no privacy in the world. Everybody bothers to get what's going on. Oh, she picked up a he she picked up a cup fearing for her safety, and then he wrapped her arms around her to calm her down. And she's an artist, and they even show a picture of her artwork. Um, and uh, then he moves into the bedroom, and anyway, deputies get there. They interview everybody. The argument started over pickleball. Okay, now look, people do stupid things. We get that, right? But what happened is she's going to jail for felony battery on someone over 65. And with the number of people over 65, we're having more and more problems with people who are doing stupid things. And again, that these laws that we have created by legislators that may not have taken into consideration the, the real long-term powerful ramifications. What if they divorce and she needs to get a job? Now she's got a felony conviction. You have two people over 65. We read about that occasion in the paper where both of them go to jail and both have been charged with a felony battery on their spouse because they're over 65. You know, ever since 911, everybody's calling in because everybody needs a cop. If you watch a live PD, you see the, the, the stupidest things people are calling for, just pure dumb things. Now, look, domestic violence isn't something to be taken lightly. Don't think I said that. And if you do, uh, you're wrong. It's a big deal. But there are no, there's no discretion anymore. You know, somebody out makes an allegation, everybody goes to jail, somebody over 65, well, automatically going to get a felony. So at a time when a lot of people who are 65, 70, 75 are still working, what happens to that felony conviction? What does it do for employment, housing, or a wide range of other issues? You can't get licensed in a whole bunch of different professions because of that. So since we have technology so abundant in trains, planes, and, and now cars, what is the one thing where technology absolutely stinks? And that's in the court system. So why not have an officer use video teleconferencing with the judge? You got these parties there. If you're not going to allow law enforcement to have any discretion whatsoever, you know, think about this. No discretion. Everybody has to go to jail. Maybe we should implement field, F-I-E-L-D, field court. Sounds silly, right? But is it that silly? We have clogging the court system with felony trials, cases, nonstop, because you're going to have more and more people who are retired who are going to wind up going to court because you know, they have a cognitive impairment. Things are, they've got Alzheimer's, dementia, things just kind of go south. Or what happens when someone says, hey, you ordered something by way of Alexa, and I didn't want you to order it. And then they have a fight and everything goes sideways. These are real issues that unfortunately we ought to start talking about. But a lot of people will not be talking about it because why? 
It's just not PC. Now, I mentioned Alexa. I mentioned it because the next item I want to mention is the fact that we have financial firms that are saying, hey, what happens with people who have vision issues, right? They have a hard time communicating. Could we start seeing, oh, I I just can't believe I see, Alexa will help blind clients with their accounts. Now, I got news for you. There are a lot of people who are using Alexa and and they... um, they uh, talk to it and it talks to them and, and they can get a lot of things done. But I'm concerned that these are not necessarily game changers. These are things that could be very dangerous. And as people begin more and more cognitive impairment and saying things that they shouldn't be saying, um, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I see a lot of problems with, oh, Alexa, I need money. Give me $500. Oh, which bank account would you like it from? Oh, NCNB, Bank of America, Bank of the Ozarks. Just one moment. We are now transferring. I can see this kind of stuff becoming really, really a big problem. Well, what's the point? The point is as one gets older, as one is busy, as one spends less time doing something, working with a true Fiduciary becomes critical. You go to a doctor. A doctor has to be a fiduciary. You go to a, an attorney. You have to be a fiduciary. But when it comes to advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, and financial planners, the overwhelming majority of them, 99.9%, in my opinion, are compensated based upon buying more, selling more, assets under management, or profiting more. That would be your hedge funds. And as a result, they're all conflicted. You cannot say you're a fiduciary when you're making a commission. It's discriminatory, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Okay, so with that, one of the items we were talking about is that, uh, you know, there are a few sheriffs out there who are old. So if you have a deputy sheriff or even a sheriff himself who is over age 65, you get, let's say, a charge of battery on law enforcement plus you get a felony battery for, for elder abuse, battery on a, on a person over 65. See, see where I'm going with that? And if you don't think there are some older law enforcement people out there, there are. Let me give you an example. Sheriff Farmer in Sumter County, which is where a large segment of the population of the villages resides, is well over 65. You have a gentleman in Pickaway County. Uh, he was on the job for a long, long time. He worked uh, since uh, 1953. And he's the actual sheriff uh, down there. And he retired finally after 58 years. Now his son, (laughs) and if you go to the Pickaway County Sheriff's Office at pickawaysheriff.com, his son looks like he's in his 70s. He's taken over. Talk about uh, uh, something that's uh, kind of interesting where just father like son, just talk about nepotism in law enforcement. That's something that a lot of people should really be paying attention to. Okay. Now, with that said, we're going to connect another dot as it goes to this college admission thing and all of these people going to jail. Ready? Watch how we do this. Okay, so you have all these celebrities and the CEOs who have been giving money and buying a place for their kid in colleges. I got to tell you, I think this is going to blow up in the face of the federal government. At some point in time, people are going to say, yeah, no kidding. We all knew this is going on for years. People have been buying. 
this has so many different racial, social, religious ramifications. It's not even funny. But the question that you should be asking yourself is, when you go to the doctor, how do you know that your doctor is not one whose parents greased the wheels to get them through medical school? Okay, they passed, right? Somebody passed at the bottom of the barrel from Harvard, Yale, Cambridge, Stanford. Is the bottom of the barrel better than somebody who actually worked their sales, worked hard and got through, you know, a, a a medical school that's not well known. These are huge questions. And it's something that it's not being talked about because you have this sensationalized uh, media where everything is, is they, they, you know, you have these actors and actresses that are being charged and CEOs and, and, and uh, Frank Gallagher's wife. <laughs> oh my gosh. People in Newport Beach, Del Mar, Beverly Hills, San Francisco, Palo Alto, Greenwich, New York City, uh, the Silicon Valley, Hollywood, and Wall Street elites are just rolling over this kind of thing. But it's also interesting to see just exactly what's going on. Okay, so you say that, right? Well, what does that have to do with anything? Let's go back to what we talked about in the very beginning. We talked about the 737 MAX 8 in the black boxes, in the investigators, and maybe the people who are investigating are not as well-trained. They have the degrees, but they got the jobs. They don't know what they're doing or the programmers. And the programmers are leaving holes in programming for hackers to get in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you say, well, come on, don't take that to an extreme. Really? Well, what happens then when you have companies that have CEOs that brown nose themselves to the to their peak positions, and these guys were dumber than sacks of rocks. A good example is GE. GE is a massive company, with, and it's just burning through cash because of some of the dumbest things that happened with the prior administration. Remember, during the Obama administration, the CEO of GE was just, you know, these guys were tight. But GE is just literally burning through cash and it's no longer part of the Dow Jones uh, industrial average. It's, it literally is derailing what has derailed and it's coming to this complete crash in front of us. Why? Because they did things they didn't know what they were doing. One of the items we talk all the time about here at Fixed Cost Financial is this. You have advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, dealers, and financial planners, especially these idiotic financial planners. That is something that you should absolutely be super concerned about. These people who think they know how to do everything and they're going to try to give you all this advice when they don't know a whole lot about a hill of beans. You want to deal with people who are focused in their industries and not all over the board. And here's the thing, GE, you want to know what it's like to deal with the jack of all trades? Look at GE. The shares have tanked. You've got Thousands of people have lost their jobs. Yeah, okay, they're, they've got a turbine industry. they got gas. they got coal fuel power plants. They've got, oh, they've got so many things going on. But their healthcare division and even their aviation division, I mean, they've, they've taken some really hits. They've cut about 10,000 corporate staff workers recently. And now they had another 28,000 that lost their jobs in 2017. Think about that. 37,000 corporate staff positions at GE have been cut off recently. And then the employment altogether, about 283,000 people have been reduced 
at GE. I mean, look, here's the bottom line. Here's the problem. They employed about 238,000 people worldwide as of 2018, but that's going to go down. They have got problems. They got to they got to kick in at least four billion dollars into GE Capital. Here's the bottom line. What is the bottom line of this? You got to be careful trying to do everything for everybody, and you need to focus on what you do best. The problem with GE, the problem with advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, financial planners, the problem with a lot of people is you have to focus on your big bets. Focus on what you are good at, what you like, what you can control, what you're profitable at. You have to delegate everything else as much as possible to those who are true fiduciaries. That's what we do here at Fixed Cost Financial. When it comes to investment advisory services, advice and management, we're a true fiduciary. Okay? We can ask the questions where other people are afraid to. And as a result, connecting dots, we have no problems connecting dots. When we see a crash coming, we have no problem saying, man, this is going to end badly. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. If you have a comment or an idea, call 888-629-7864. That's 888-629-7864 and leave a message. We truly appreciate your ideas and comments. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast was produced by Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing. Fixed Cost Financial is a true fiduciary-based investment advisor, where you will not pay more, if you have more, or receive less, if you have less. The way we do it, as a true fiduciary, it's better, it's simple, and it works. You can find Fixed Cost Financial online at, fixedcostinvesting.com, that's fixedcostinvesting.com.